Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. This week I heard a few jokes. You want to hear a couple? I tried this on first Wednesday, and it did not go well. By the way, first Wednesday was awesome. It was so awesome, we're doing it again in February. It will be on the first Wednesday, and uh, you do not want to miss it, is all I want to say. Y'all want some jokes? Nothing like telling pointless jokes at church. Helvetica in Times New Roman walked into a bar, and the bartender shouted, Get out of here, we don't serve your types. Termite walked into the same bar, said, hey, where, he said, (laughs) Termite walked into the same bar and asked, is the bartender here? The termite asked if the bar was tender. What, What did the left eye say to the right eye? Between you and me, something smells. I like these. I was, I was, I asked my daughter, one of my daughters, I said, hey, what do you think of these jokes? She said, are you really going to tell those in front of everybody? And then I asked my other daughter and she says, I love those kind of jokes. Do it. So some of you hate them and some of you like them. But seriously, on a serious note, uh, last night I ordered a chicken and an egg off of Amazon. I'll let you know. Which one comes first? Yeah. <laughs> You gotta laugh to keep from crying. All right, are you all ready to go? We are in week numero uno of our new series. We are calling "Make God First." Everyone, say "Make God First." Come on, say it like you mean it. Say "Make God First." I am excited for this month. I'm excited for the series that we're going to be on. I mean, who in here does not need this encouragement? How often have we said in our life, "Man, I need to get my priorities in order." How often have we said, oh, man, I need to make first things first. I need to get back on track. If there's anything we all share, it is the ongoing battle to keep what is most important to us most important to us. I was getting my hair cut the other day, and my barber asked me if I had any New Year's resolutions. (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, sort of. I mean, you know, every year I want to eat better, exercise more, and be more disciplined. Like, this is everybody's New Year's resolution after we gorge ourselves for six weeks, right? Like, okay, I got to be healthier. And similarly to our resolutions, right, I think the hope and desire for God to be the unquestioned and undisputed Lord and priority is the ever-present hope of every Jesus follower. We want to make God first. We want to. We, we, we don't want to neglect God or our relationship with him. It's something that we all want to go stronger in. At least, at least we should want that, right? We should want to make God first. And I don't say that today in any sort of guilt tripper way. No guilt tripping in here today. Are you all with me? Like, I, I don't say it in a way that we are always failing and we never measure up and we need to keep striving for, to do better. I say it more in a heart of worship that I want to make more of God in my life. 
I don't know about you. Does anybody else want to make more of God in your life? Right? Unfortunately, we fall for the tyranny of the urgent all the time. Giving our attention to what is urgent rather than what is important. We fall for the lure of cultural trends. What is the latest and greatest? Like, this is what we do. And the battle that really matters is, you know, what do we love the most? What do we really love the most? Like, really love the most? Not just in word or in belief, but in actual deed. Some of us love work and success. Like, we love it so much that that's, that's what we give our life to. To be as successful as possible. Some of us love we love and obsess over our appearance. Appearance. Some of us love consuming sports or music or entertainment, so all of our downtime goes to that endeavor. Some of us love being needed by others, and so we, we, we look for that every chance we get. Some of us love our family so much that nothing else really seems to matter. Some of us love money or the process of getting more money so much that that's all we really do. And listen, I just want you to know there's a lot of room for us to love. We can love a lot of things. We can love some of those things a whole bunch. They just can't be something that we love more than God. There are so many things that come and get in the way of God being first place in our life. And I believe the journey we are on with God is this lifelong journey of shedding the things of this world that get in the way of God being number one in our life towards us having a heart that is fully his. So I don't believe, just so you know, that making God first can be accomplished today. I don't believe you can make the decision, I'm making God first, and everything from this point forward is God first. Here's what I believe. I believe we are actually on a journey of giving our hearts over to him, in which we are continually making more and more decisions throughout the course of our life, that we are saying, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first. It's an everyday sort of surrender to this idea of making God first. So today, this series, if there's anything I would say it's about, it is about the journey of making God first. Not only in the decisions of our life, but seeking and desiring the encounters with God and his Holy Spirit and his presence that will grow our heart of faith and love and trust there are so many scriptures that speak to this idea of making God first. And many of these verses are in the context of love. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everyone say first. This verse is in the context of worrying. Some of us worry first. He's saying seek first. 1 John four nineteen, We love because he first loved us. Just in case you're wondering, God went first. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, make God first. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Revelation 2, 4 and 5, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the things you did at First, first things first. God first, right? And then in Matthew 10, 37, Jesus says something quite interesting. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. <laughs> so any of you that love your mama too much, you're in trouble. Any of you that love your kids too much, you need to stop. Is that what Jesus is saying? 
No, he's not saying that. It, he, he, he is all for the family. He is, all, he is not anti-mom, and he loves kids. He's the one who created family. But he is making a point here to say, listen, I'm trying to use the thing that you understand the most. You love your children. You love your parents more than anything. And I'm going to use that to contrast the kind of love you need to have for God. The most important person in your life, the people that you love the most, you got to love God more than them. That is some serious love. I mean, that is like loving Jesus is this deep and transformative sort of idea. God desires that we love him and treasure him above all things, right? It's the, it's the nature of a kind of love that says, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's the kind of love he's talking about. So most of us already know this, right? We already know that God loves us, and then he wants us to love him. So what, what are we talking about? And what's the problem? The problem is our hearts are fickle. Our eyes wander. Our affections drift to the things of this world that are here today and gone tomorrow. We get caught up in the adultery of success and materialism and the allure of self-centered living. We get discouraged and we decide, man, I just need to take it easy. How many times I've seen and heard passion wane in people that at one point loved Jesus. The priority of God drifts and we settle into what we think is an easier way of life. But it's not easier, it's a trap. A life with God on the side ends in disappointment, emptiness, frustration, discouragement. Often the reality of God being down the list, if you will, of our priorities is many of us, we would just say it this way, we just get busy doing our own thing. And I want to say it again because this idea, we get busy doing our own thing. I was trying to think this week, like, what is the thing that really gets in the way of God being number one? Making God first in our life. What gets in the way of that? And I just kept coming back to this thought. Well, it's not intentional. It's not satanic. None of us are going all evil. <laughs> we just get busy doing our own thing. Anybody feeling that? We just get busy doing our own thing. All right, so I just wanted to set this up, and we're going to spend a little time in the book of Haggai, everyone's favorite minor prophet. I'm sure you were probably reading Haggai this morning, weren't you? Um, if you have a Bible, you can open to Haggai. This is a test, if you know where Haggai is. A little setup for you. Haggai is a prophet of God during the time that Israel is held under the Babylonian captivity. You may remember Daniel, for example, and the story of the lion's den. How many of you remember Daniel in the lion's den? Raise your hand if you remember Daniel. Of course, a lot of us do. Yeah, that was also during the time of the Babylonian captivity. He was thrown into a lion's den, of course, for praying in the city of Babylon when it was against the law. But when God saved him from the lion's den, the tone and hostility towards the people of God from the Babylonians, from the Persians, begins to change. Actually, the king of Babylon, King Darius, he, he actually tells uh, 
people, he declares God is not only the living God, but he tells all the people to revere the God of Israel. So the tone against Israel changes in this moment. And there's actually a lot of favor given to the Israelites. And even though they're on Babylonian captivity, they are allowed to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their city. That's where we get to in Haggai chapter 1. This is 20 years after Daniel. All right? Is that helpful? So in the second year of King Darius, let me pause once more. This is, if you know the story of Daniel, there's a King Darius in that. This is not the same King Darius. Imagine this as King Darius II. All right? This is the second year of King Darius. On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. So did you get that? <laughs> the story is anchored in a time in history. Literally, God's word is so good. He's like, let me just put this on a timeline for you. It was in the second year of King Darius, the king of Persia. So I anchored it in a time of history. And it's also the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, which is the region that Jerusalem is in, so the governor of the Jewish people, and to Joshua, who is the son of the high priest, who, which probably means he was now the new high priest. You understand? So he's, the word of the Lord is coming through a prophet to the leaders of God's people. How many know that God still speaks through people to his people? Verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say. Everyone say, these people. people. You ever say, OMG, these people. God does too. And you are people. These people. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while his house remains in ruin? Now, this is a reference, this house is a reference to, of course, the Lord's temple. And honestly, this question is one of those, it's a little bit of an awkward, sarcastic tone. It's like what Christy should probably say something like this to me if I've been on the couch watching sports all day and she maybe comes up to me and says, hey, so do you want me to get, go ahead and get dinner started and finish the laundry and go ahead and clean up the house? Is that what you want while you sit there on the couch and finish your game? Now, thankfully, she doesn't say that because she's amazing and wonderful and marvelous. <laughs> but she should say it. This is what Haggai's saying. Is it time for you to keep living in your nice paneled houses while God's house still remains in ruins? See, the temple of Jerusalem had been destroyed. The Israelites, they moved back to Jerusalem, but they took care of their houses first. This is sort of like, you know, hey, put the oxygen masks on yourself first kind of situation going on here. Take care of yourself first. Now, obviously, today's world's different. We know that we are now the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the temple in the Old Testament, this is where God resided. The temple was primary and central to the way people related to God. Meaning without a temple, the practices and rhythms of God's people was not only impossible, but was incomplete. This would be like you ignoring the temple of the Holy Spirit in you, which I know sounds crazy. 
stuff like that never happens, that we would ignore the Holy Spirit. And, but the people, right? The people are ignoring what they needed in order to prioritize God in their lives. In other words, they were not making God first. This was like a me first mentality happening in ancient Jerusalem. Are you all with me? You all following the story? Verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Everyone say your ways. This is a good word. Give careful thought to your me first ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it, losing everything you make. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. He says it again. Everyone say your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about what he's saying. He said it again. Think about what you're doing. Haggai the prophet, the Lord gives him this word. Think about what you're doing. You made sure to get your house in order. You got your panels up. <laughs> your house is looking good. You worked hard, planted a lot of seed. But think about it. How much are you getting in return? In fact, you're not getting much at all. You planted a whole bunch of seed, but you're not getting much, are you? You never have enough food. You never have enough to drink. Your clothes, you never have enough. You're spending more than you're making. Haggai is saying, perhaps you have some things out of order. Perhaps you have to think about your ways. Perhaps what you're doing isn't working. I think sometimes people get frustrated with their budget and their money, and they're like, why don't things ever add up for me? But they never built their budget the way that God told them to build their budget. They got holes in their purse. Some of you got holes in your purse because you haven't made God first. You made me first. You want to do it God's way, you got to make him first. I think some people get discouraged about how their plans are working out in life. They're like, man, I have these big life aspirations and dreams and goals for my career. I have a certain place that I want to be at in life. I want to get to a certain level in my career, a certain level financially. I want to live in a certain school district. And then eventually it hits a point in their life where they're like, man, my plans aren't working like I thought they would. But here's the deal. For a lot of those situations, God was never in the middle of that plan. God was a bystander that you were hoping would cheer you on and bless your plans. But see, if God is not at the center of your plans, your dreaming, your working, and your planting, your life will be left lacking and wanting. I believe this is a word for the church today. I really do. We are neglecting the house of the Lord, and instead we are prioritizing our ways, and it's costing us not only in spiritual currency, but it's costing us in our peace and prosperity. Mm. The people receiving this word from Haggai were familiar with the principles of sowing and reaping. They knew God rewards those who, who sow generously. He know, they know that God rewards those who trust him with all their heart. They knew the words of Proverbs 3, just like some of you probably know the words of Proverbs 3. We'll put it on screen, but Proverbs 3, what does it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, your own ways. 
In all your ways, submit to him. There's a word again. Ways, ways, ways. Your ways versus God's ways. In all your ways, put him first. And he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. <laughs> you got to give up on your ways. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your soul. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits. What fruits? First fruits, the very first ones of the harvest. Bring them in. Bring the 10% of your first fruits in. That's what he's saying. Of all your crops, then your barns will be filled and overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I mean, who doesn't want their vats to be brimming? One of my favorite series titles of the last few years, My Vats Are Brimming. They knew God's ways. They understood them. They knew God's ways was to give them their first, their first fruits to him, but they hadn't even bothered to rebuild the temple where they could bring their first fruits. They knew God's ways were to put him first in all things, yet they had ignored it. Haggai's like, you better give careful thought to your ways. You're putting yourself first, and it's costing you. I think this is interesting. He's not just like trying to kick us in the tail. He's trying to say, listen, you're putting yourself first and you're living a lesser life because of it. Verse 8, go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure and be honored, says the Lord. In other words, prioritize me. This is simple. Go up and do what I've called you to do. Take care of my house. Build my church. And then he says in verse 9, he actually goes back to the life they had been experiencing as they were choosing him first. He says this, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. Meaning you thought prioritizing yourself would pay off, but it didn't. Listen, God isn't trying to be popular with us, by the way. Do you know that? Like God isn't always trying to make you happy and make you like him all the time. He's like, well, you did it your way, and I didn't bless you when you did it your way. He's like, you know what, I didn't want what you wanted. And then look at what he says then. He says, what you brought home, I blew it away. <laughs> I mean, God blew it away. I want you to think about this. It's almost like he's saying, God's the one that lets you suffer. Tim, don't talk about that. Mm -mm. Don't. That people don't want to hear that. God is good all the time, and he never does anything that might make us think God took something away. What if God is the one that lets you, and lets your plans, if you will, fall apart? What if God didn't let your plans work out because he's like, listen, if you keep doing it your way, you're going to get on the path that leads to destruction. He's like, your ways are dangerous. Your ways end up in a pit. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, why did I do this? Why did I blow it away? Why did I get rid of it? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy, <laughs> uh-oh, busy with your own house. There it is. We just get busy doing our own thing. We just get busy doing our own thing. God is like, I will not bless plans that diminish me. God is like, I will not stand by and let you dishonor me. 
I will not let you do your thing while you ignore my thing. Listen, God would rather you go through a season in which you suffer than have you build your house on the wrong foundation. God will not be marginalized forever. He will not be put to the side. He will not be diminished forever. He is not okay with second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth place in your life. He's not okay with it. But guess what? God is good and he is loving and he is patient. He waited 20 years on these people. 20 years. But then there was a moment he's like, you know what? I'm going to eventually, I'm going to rattle your life. I'm going to shake it up. I'm going to send a prophet and they are going to send a word and it's going to come straight to you and strike you in the heart. What if today the Lord is sending you a message through a person from his word straight to your heart? Listen, (laughs) you know, I like to think about the word of God like this. I like to think about the people of Jerusalem when they come back. So they were in Babylon. They come back. They got their paneled houses. They came back, though. And you know right when they came back to Jerusalem, they were, like, planning on getting straight to the temple of the Lord. They were like, that's a project we got to hit and hit fast. You know that they were like, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, we're so glad to be back. They're like, my city, this is my city, and I love it, I love it. I was born and raised here. I got a maid here. You know they were saying it. You know they were saying it. You know they were like, Jerusalem, we're back. Let's get that temple built. He was like, build my church. Build it from the ground up. Build my church. You guys don't know that song as well probably. But it's a song too. You know they came back. They were ready to go. They were, they were like had all the right intentions. They were like, we intend to make God first, to build his house. First though, first though, I got to get my house fixed up. First I got to plant my fields. First I got to get my livelihood. First I got to get the panels up. They came back from Babylon saying, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're going to build your house, but first I got to. How many of you ever said first I got to? Everyone say, first I got to. First I got to. First I got to do this thing, God. (laughs) First, Lord, I'm I'm with you. I'm all in, but first I got to do this thing. The other day, the other day, Grayson said that to me the other day. It was like 8.30 at night, and I was like, Grayson, I need you to go take a shower, get ready for bed. And he was like, yeah, 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 but first I got to finish this game. He was watching the Thunder. They were up by 30. I was like, bro, the game is over. He's like, but first I got to finish the game. Can I say this? He was like, sure. I will get about doing the will of my father. But first, I got to do my thing. By the way, anytime I ask Grayson to take a shower, he's got a first I got (laughs) to. Do you remember the story in the Gospels when Jesus is calling people to follow him and one of the disciples says something to him in Matthew 8, 21? Another disciple said to him, Lord, first, everyone say first. First, first, I, first let me go and bury my father, which sounds very reasonable. I'm like, yeah, God, I mean, come on, Jesus, like, give him a break. He's got to go bury his father. 
But scholars believe this was a saying that meant, hey, once my father dies, I will come and follow you. It wasn't like, hey, I need to go and like do a funeral tomorrow, day after next, I'll catch up with you. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, listen, Jesus, I got to go home. I got to take care of my dad. I don't know how long he's going to live. He's kind of stubborn like that. He might live for a while, but once he dies, I'm all yours, Lord. Once, he, once I get my inheritance, <laughs> once I get my inheritance, I'm all yours, Lord. So let me first, first I got to let my dad die. Then I'm yours. First I got to get mine. Then I'm yours. This is like saying, Jesus, I'll start giving to you once I start making more money. First I got to make more money. Listen, that's not the way it works. That's like saying, Jesus, I'll start serving you more once I get more time. I'm telling you, you're not getting any more time. Every day you're getting less time. So how many of us are constantly saying, first, I got to? And then in verse 10, <laughs> this is a good story. Therefore, mm, Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. What's he saying? Therefore, because, because of you because, you, because you said now is not the time to build the house of the Lord, um, you have, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and on the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. See, because you were busy doing your thing, uh, God stopped doing his thing. We don't like to hear that. Nope. Now, I do have to pause and make a theological disclaimer. Is that okay? Am I suggesting God rewards and punishes based upon our behavior? Am I suggesting that God moves with our faithfulness and doesn't move when we are unfaithful? In other words, is God ebbing and flowing with us? Is he dependent upon our actions and our doing? The disclaimer is this. The disclaimer is God does what he wants, that he is sovereign and he does things for the good of those who love him. He does all things for the purpose and of his plan being accomplished in the earth. God is not ebbing and flowing with us, but he is relating to us. <laughs> Meaning God is involved and responsive to people who are responsive to him. When people prioritize him and worship him and elevate him in their life, God is honored and he will respond to this people as they are responsive to him. So yes, yes, God hears our cry and he will answer our prayer. Yes, he will reward our faithfulness. Yes, God will bless those who sow generously by saying they will reap generously. Yes, God will help the broken when they cry out to him and say, you are my only hope, God. God does see us. And just like he sees us in those moments, he also sees us when we are busy doing our own thing. He sees us when we have not prioritized him. He feels it when we've forgotten our first love. And he hears it when we talk about everything else but him. You see, when you love God, when you make him first, you can't quit talking about him. You can't shut up about him. Because here's what I know, I talk about the things that I love. When we love God, we tell the stories of God. 
we start inviting others in to what God is doing. We just can't help it. We love them. So we, we, we just shout about them all the time. We talk about them all the time. And a lot of us, we're not talking enough about God because we're busy doing our own thing. We should be inviting people in to what God is doing. We should be inviting people in to God's house. We should be building this house. We could say, and first I got to, first I got to build a better relationship with them. Or first I got to figure out how to, you know, like make a creative approach to how do I bring up God with them. First I got to like, you know, look for a sign. God, where's your sign? Maybe you're the sign. Maybe God's like, yeah, I sent you. Start talking about me and start inviting people into my kingdom. Start building my house. Start prioritizing what I care about. God responds to our love, our needs, our hopes, and our prayers. So enough of this, like, I'm afraid to say that God rewards his people for making him first. He does. It, it, it frees him to do what he wants to do. But God always does what he wants. God is like, are you tired of suffering? Because I'm tired of watching you suffer. Will you come and prioritize me? Will you come and change your ways? Will you follow my ways? Will you quit doing your own thing? And then in verse number 12, then Zerubbabel and Joshua, son of the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, so the whole church, everybody that's there in Jerusalem, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared, meaning they revered the Lord. So there's a change happening, right? Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. God is like, I'm with you. Let's try this again, shall we? People of Jerusalem, I'm with you, declares the Lord. You ever notice how God brings that message to people when he's calling them up? You ever notice that? Moses, I'm calling you to something, and it's a big, big step, Moses. I need you to trust me. I'll be with you. Joshua, I need you to enter into the promised land. I know it's been 40 years, but I need you to, I need you to trust me. I need you to be strong and courageous because, because I, I don't want you to fear because I'm with you. Elijah, I know you're the only one left, but fear not, I'm with you. Jesus to his disciples, I need, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put me first. I need you to go out and take my message to the ends of the earth. But don't worry, I will be with you until the very end of the age. Haggai has this message from the Lord. Okay, people, okay, church, I know you've procrastinated. I know it's been 20 years. I know you did it your way for a season. I know you prioritized your house instead of my house. I know you were busy doing your thing, but I need you to make me first and build my house. But don't worry if that sounds like a lot because I'll be with you. You can count on me. Trust me with all of your heart. Lean not on your own ways. 
I will make your path straight. Then we're going to read verse 14. In fact, I'm going to close this message by reading verse 14. And so to close, I'd like for all of us to stand. Would everybody stand with me? As I read these last, this last verse. Verse 14, it says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah. Everyone say, the Lord stirred up. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, and the high priest of, of the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So I want you to catch that. The Lord stirred up the leaders and the whole church. Then catch this. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. They came and began to work. Everyone say work. I think sometimes we don't think we should have to work to make God first. They began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. How many know it takes work to build his church? I just want you to know as we close this that the Lord, the Lord has stirred me up a little bit about what God is doing. Not only at the beginning of this year, but what he wants to do in this church. I, I think first Wednesday I got, I got stirred up. This message has stirred me up a little bit. But I do believe that God is calling people back to their first love. I believe God is calling people He's calling them up in order to do his work. And I do believe that God is using this message and anointing it in a way to say this, that he will pour out his goodness and his blessing and his favor as we do it his way. That God will bless this church and bless your life when we make him first. So the, the thing that Haggai said is think about your ways and make God first. Our prayer, God, may this be a season that the whole church comes together to do the work of building up the house of the Lord. And you're like, hold on, are we talking about this church? We're talking about what it means to be in a community. We live in a world that says your life with Christ is just about you and Jesus. It's all individual pursuit. That is not what the Bible says. It is a communal cause that we join. We together have to build the house of the Lord. We have to do the work. And when we come together, it's not so you can go and live your self-help kind of life out there. We give you a little bit of, you know, uh, some, some quips and quotes for you to go do better. No, no, no. We are coming into something together. We are coming into the house of the Lord saying, God, we give this to you. We ask you to use us to bring glory to your name and fame to who you are in the earth. So no more first I gotta. No more busy doing our own thing. That's it, right? God, I want to make you first and I want to love you more than everything else. That's what we need to say. That's what I want you to say. Would you just bow your heads? And maybe in your own words today, it's going to be that. But God, I want to make you first. And I want to love you above all else. 
God, I want to make you first and I want to love you above all else. God, we declare that you are the only one worthy of first place. God, stir us up. Stir this church up to begin the work of building up your church. Making you first in all things. Maybe today, making God first is you just saying, I need to, I need to step into what it means to have a relationship with God, what it means to make him the Lord and leader of your life. Some of you, I'm sure, have battled for a long time, like the place that God should take in your life. And this message is just a simple call to you to say, the only way, the only way of salvation is to say, not only do I confess, Jesus, that you are Lord, but I make you the Lord of my life. And if you want to do that today, if you want to say, he's the Lord, he's the leader of my life. From this day forward, I surrender all to God, to Jesus, for what he's done for me. Then I just want to give you a chance to do that right now. You can just say a prayer to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray that right now where you're at. Just whisper it to him if you're like, I want to make Jesus the Lord and leader of my life. I'm done doing it my way. I want to do it God's way. I want to follow him. I want to surrender to him to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Whisper that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And then just pray this last part of it too. And I commit to live for you, to follow you for the rest of my days. And I commit to live for you, to follow you for the rest of my days. And just pray salvation in this room. We pray, Father, that anybody praying that prayer, that, Lord, this would be seed planted in good ground right now. That, Lord, you would, you would do a work that only you could do as you save souls. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. As we worship today, this is a time of response. It's a time to say, you know what? I'm committing. I, I'm, I'm making God first in my life. I, I, I need to. So this altar is open. Our prayer team is here. We want to pray. We want to pray with you about anything going on. We pray for healing every week. We pray for salvations. We pray, we pray with people who want to give their life to Christ. We pray for needs in your life. But as we worship and as we give God praise and make him first, let's also respond accordingly. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.